Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. So a few weeks ago, um, I hope you remember, but you may not, we talked about um, we talked about God not answering prayers. Uh, we talked about the reason, possible reasons that God may not answer prayers. If you remember, we'll have a little pop quiz here. If you remember, the purpose of prayer was not so much about asking and receiving, but the purpose of any prayer is so that we would know God better so that we can what? Do His will. A plus Ken. Everybody else fails. Everybody else has got to buy mine and Ken's lunch today. Prayer is about doing, uh, knowing God better so that we can do His will. Uh, we talked about possible reasons that God uh, may not answer your prayer. One of those reasons being because God's will may be different from our will. And this is why it's important that we spend time in prayer so that we could know God better and our will can mesh with, our will can intertwine with, and ultimately our will can become what God wills for us as well um, and when our will does not mesh up match up with god's will faith leads us to believe that his ways are better than our ways that his thoughts are better higher than our thoughts and that faith leads us to trust in god's goodness for us and that his ways and his will is better we talked about that like three weeks ago or something I want to take just a few minutes this morning, um, probably 10 minutes or less, maybe 15 minutes, and talk just a little bit about the goodness of God and hopefully give you some encouragement um, and why we can trust in God's plan and God's will for us because he is good. Sound good? I hope so. I hope so. If not, you're kind of stuck unless you just want to get up and leave and I will not be offended, but please don't. Um, so we're going to look at Exodus chapter 33 and chapter 34. Let me give you some background on Exodus 33 before we start reading. Uh, the beginning of the book of Exodus, we see that um, the Hebrews, the Israelites, are in slavery in Egypt. And Pharaoh is over Egypt. Chapter 3, I believe, is when we see Moses uh, talk to God when God called Moses at the burning bush. Everybody know that story? God called Moses over, he took off his feet, he took off his feet, took off his sandals, and told, and God told Moses, um, I see the people, I hear their cries, and I'm going to deliver them. And Moses was like, yes, go get them, get them out. And then God kind of dropped a bomb and said, I, you're going to deliver them. I'm going to work through you, you're going to go to Pharaoh, you're going to get the people out of Egypt. So Moses went to Pharaoh, said, hey, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, I need you to let my people go. I need you to let God's people go so that we can go and worship God. 
Pharaoh said, ah, ah, you ain't going because they were slaves, they were cheap labor, um, the Egyptians used the Israelites to do all the work. So God did something that only God could do. God sent ten plagues on to the people in Egypt. He sent the plague of blood where the water turned into blood, sent the plague of frogs. Uh, anybody not like frogs? Two of us, I'm with you. I'm not a reptile person. I don't want to mess with a reptile. Frog, lizard, snake, I'm good. Sent the plague of frog, uh, gnats, flies, death of livestock, boils on your skin, plague of hail, plague of locusts, plague of darkness, and then finally the last one was the plague of the death of the firstborn son in the family. So after that, Pharaoh, of course, let the people go. Um, once the people got out, once the millions of Israelites started leaving Egypt, Pharaoh changed his mind, said, not so fast. So they started chasing, the Egyptian army started chasing God split the Red Sea, allowed the Israelites to cross over the Red Sea. Once the Egyptian army caught up with them in the Red Sea, God flowed the waters again, drowning and taking out the Egyptian army. Um, once they got across the Red Sea, we see God provide manna from heaven. We see God provide meat from heaven. Uh, following that, Moses goes up on Mount Sinai to talk to God. God uh, gives him the Ten Commandments. He writes them on a tablet. However, while Moses is on Mount Sinai, the people at the bottom thought Moses left them, thought he forgot about them, thought he may have died. They didn't know where Moses had went. So they said, we need a God. We need somebody to lead us. We need somebody to worship. We need a God. So what did they do? They took all their gold, melted it down, made a calf. They formed a golden calf, and then that golden calf became their God. I guess they think you can make anything and can have godly powers. I don't know, but they have a golden calf. Moses, while up on Mount Sinai talking to God, God said, Moses, you got to get back down there. So then people are going crazy. They made a golden calf. They're worshiping the golden calf. You've got to get back down there. So Moses was not happy. God was not happy. Moses come back down the mountain, told the people, said, what in the world are y'all thinking? Threw down the Ten Commandments written on the tablets, broke them all at one time. Moses goes back up on Mount Sinai to talk to God again. And God shares his anger, his frustration with the people of Israel, with the Israelites at that time. And that, my friends, is where we pick up our story in Exodus chapter 33, starting in verse 18. This is Moses talking to God on Mount Sinai, says this. Then Moses said, I pray you show me your glory. And he said, God said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. Verse 20, but God said, you cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. So there we see Moses talking to God. He said, God, I want you to show me your glory. Show me what makes you, you. Show me what makes you, God. What is it about you that makes you, God? I want to see it. I think it's really important here that God has an opportunity to show Moses what makes him God. Show him a characteristic. Show him him. What makes him who he is. And 
no doubt God's love is the overarching theme of Scripture and our relationship with Him because He loves us greatly. However, here God had a chance to show Mo Moses a piece of Himself. And God chose to show Moses His goodness. There's something about God's goodness that leads us, that encourages us, that takes care of us. And for some reason here in Exodus 33, God decided to show Moses not his love, not his grace, not his forgiveness, but chose to show him his goodness. So pick up the story here in Exodus 34, verse 5 says this. Then the Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed by in front of Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love, in loving kindness and truth, who keeps his loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgressions, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. Moses made haste to bow down, to bow low toward the earth and worship. He said, if now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, I pray, let the Lord go along in our midst, even though the people are so obstinate and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us as your own possession. Moses prayed that God would show him what makes him God. God said, I'll show you my goodness Moses, he hid Moses in the middle of a rock. He put his hand over Moses' face, and then God's goodness passed in front of Moses. The only thing Moses could do at that point was to bow down, to lay down, and to worship, and to simply pray that God would forgive their sin, and that God would go with them as they go towards the promised land. What a story. Can you imagine being in Moses' shoes? Not too long before this, he talked to God at a burning bush. And here he was able to get a glimpse of God's goodness in the middle of a rock and on a mountain. Unbelievable. I'm kind of glad it was Moses and not me. Because I don't know what I would do. I probably wouldn't believe it to be true. Like, did that really happen? Thankfully, Moses believed it and wrote it down. One thing I want us to look at this morning. God's goodness, God's character... God's goodness for us and to us has no conditions. It never changes. Remember what happened right before God showed Moses his goodness. The people of Israel created a golden calf, created a fake God, and God still chose to show his goodness to the people. The good news for you and I this morning is that God is good even when we're not. He still is. Even when we don't deserve it, he still is good. Think of the story of the prodigal son in the New Testament. You have an older son and a younger son. The younger son wants his inheritance. He takes his money, runs off to a distant town, distant country, blows all his money in wild living, comes back home, and the dad does what? Has a party. Gives him new clothes. Gives him some jewelry, has the biggest party around. Did the younger son deserve 
the clothes? Did he deserve the jewelry? Did he deserve the party? Did he deserve to be let back in the house? No. But the son's actions did not change the character of dad. The son's actions, the son's disobedience did not change the character, did not change who the father was. Good news for you and I this morning. When we mess up, God's still good. When we go left and we should have went right, God is still good. When we go down and we should have went up, God is still good. Whether our life's on a mountain or in a valley, God is still good. Whether our house just burnt down, God is still good. Whether we know it or not, it does not change the character of who God is, and God is still good. The question is, or no, 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 hang on, one more thing, one more thing. Not only is God still good through all of that, but God is still good to me. Even when we mess up. The people here, they made a false god. They had traded the God of heaven in. And God still was good to them. You and I today can be thankful that not only is God always good, but God is always good to us. And that, my friends, is what I want to spend the next five minutes talking about. How does God reveal his goodness when it seems like we don't see it? When we don't deserve it? When we're struggling? When we're in pain? When we're lacking? How does God reveal his goodness? I got four quick points for you this morning. And when I say quick, I mean quick. Number one, God shows his goodness to us by changing our lives. Exodus 34, what you see is Moses comes down off of Mount Sinai. And he, when he gets down, everybody noticed like his face is glowing. Something happened. Here's what happened. He had an encounter with the goodness of God on the mountain. And it changed Moses physically. I believe today that if you and I understood, if we accepted by faith, and we understood that God is good all the time and that God is always good to us and to you, it would dramatically change your life. And here's what I mean. No longer will we view God as being upset with us when we mess up. We won't view God as being like the angry uh, dad who's just like waiting for you to mess up. You won't view God as the angry policeman who's waiting for you to mess up so he can write you a ticket and he can arrest you and throw you into jail and all that kind of good stuff. What we do is God's goodness changes our lives. God's goodness leads you and I into a place where when we mess up, we can trust that he'll forgive. God's goodness leads us to a place that when we're hurting, we trust that he can heal. God's goodness changes our lives in such a way when we're in a season of life where we have questions but no answers, we're in a season of life where we're filled with fear and worry and anxiety, God's goodness leads us to trust Him when we can't see the end 
from the middle. God's goodness, when we understand and trust and had and accept it by faith, it changes the way you go through life. Changes the way you go through the good times and changes the way you go through the struggles. Simply put, God's goodness changes your life. The best example of that is found in Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, Paul says that your loving kindness, your goodness leads to repentance. I hope you know today that God's goodness is what leads to your salvation, not you. Do you know today you can't go get saved whenever you want to go get saved? Like, is that, is that new news for you? It may be, I don't know. It was for me at one time. Like, I can't just wake up one morning and pray and ask God to forgive, and he's going to forgive. That's not the way salvation works. God calls you to salvation. Paul says in Romans 2 that God's goodness, his loving kindness, leads you to repentance. God's goodness, his loving kindness, is what leads you to change your life. Y'all, if we could understand how good God is and that God, how good he is to us, Paul says it leads to repentance. You know what the word repentance means? It means a turn. It means a change. It means I'm walking this way. Repentance means I'm walking this way. <laughs> it's a turn. It's a change. Paul says in Romans 2 that God's goodness leads to that turn, that change. Please know today that any good that is in your life today that was not there before, it's because of God's goodness. Any love that you have in your life today that was not there before, it's because of God's goodness. Any forgiveness that you have in your life today that was not there before, it's because of God's goodness. Any compassion that you have towards somebody or something today that you did not have before, it's because of God's goodness. It's because his goodness changes our life. Anything that has changed in your life is an example and is evidence of God's goodness in your life. Does everybody follow? Does that make sense? Thank you. Number two, God shows his goodness by giving us second chances. God shows his goodness by giving us second chances. We read here in chapter 34, Moses came down off of the mountain, broke the tablets with the Ten Commandments on there. God called him back up on the mountain, told him to bring some stone. We're going to do it again. He gives him the Ten Commandments again, and uh, he renews the covenant that he made with the Israelite people. Can I get an amen for second chances from God? Can I get an amen for third chances? Fourth? One hundredth. <laughs> I don't want to speak for you this morning. I'll speak for me. I need all hundred thousand of them. I need them all. God shows his goodness by not cutting us off. God shows his goodness by not pushing us away. God shows his goodness 
by time and time again welcoming you back home. Take a look at several examples in Scripture. Adam and Eve disobeyed. God still loved. Abraham disobeyed a lot. God still forgave. David disobeyed. Got a married woman pregnant. Had the husband killed. God forgave. Peter denied three times. After Jesus told him he would deny three times, and Peter said, no, I wouldn't do it. Peter still did it. Jesus forgave. Paul persecuted. Paul was the self-proclaimed worst of the worst. God still forgave. God will forgive over and over and over. Why? Not because you deserve it but because he's good. God shows his goodness by never pushing us away, by never cutting us off, by never saying enough's enough, by always welcoming back home, by always forgiving, by always showing grace and mercy. Even when we've done the worst of the worst, when we've turned our back, when we've forgotten about, when we've disobeyed, when we completely left behind, God does it because he's good. And his goodness leads him to. His goodness will not let him cut us off. So God shows his goodness through always calling, beckoning, leading you and I to forgiveness in him. Number three, God shows his goodness through created things. Some of you like the snow. Some of you told me this morning you love the snow. I don't know why, but you do. God shows his goodness through nature. This afternoon, when you get home, I challenge you to read Psalm 145. David wrote Psalm 145 when he was thinking about the power of God and thinking about nature. When we look at the stars and the moon and realize they're at where they're at and they do what they do because God put them there. When we realize our world, our earth, is tilted at the exact angle from the sun and from the moon and how all that works out. I'm not a scientist, I don't know, but I know we're exactly at the right place we could be to have life. That's God showing his goodness. Every time I see a Tar Heel shirt, God's goodness. God shows his goodness through created things, and God shows his goodness through created people. Now, we would all agree sometimes people are jerks. Amen. 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 But we would all agree there have been people come in our life that were a pretty good representation of God's goodness in our life. Amen. That amen should be just as loud as for the jerks. I bet if you were to pay attention, if you were to think about it, 
There are people in your life today that have loved you, that have cared for you, that have taken care of you, that have helped you, that have provided for you, that have served you, that has encouraged you, that has led you through some struggles and pain in your life. Those people are representations of God's goodness. God reveals his goodness through created things and through created people. The challenge for you and I today is that we can be God's goodness to people in our lives. Don't be a jerk today. Be God's goodness. Be the love. Be the encouragement. Be the hug. Be the help. Be the tears that needs to be cried. Be the celebration when things need to be celebrated. We have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to represent Jesus Christ today, to represent his goodness in your family, in your job, at the restaurant this afternoon. And can I be honest with you? When I leave here, I'm going to a nine-year-old girl's birthday party with about 10 or 15 other kids. I need, I need, I need the Lord's help to show his goodness this afternoon. Can y'all pray for me? Thank you. I forgot to tell you, TJ's basketball season started this week. We had his first game yesterday. That, too, is a struggle to show God's goodness. Because seven, eight, nine-year-old boys don't listen the way I want them to. They don't care about learning basketball as much as I wish they would. They like to run around and have a good time. I like to dribble, learn how to dribble with my left hand. They're not as interested in shooting bank shots as I am. But that's an opportunity that I have to show the goodness of God to a group of boys who may or may not see it at home. I don't know. That's the opportunity that I have to show God's love and God's goodness and God's grace and God's mercy to a group of boys that may not see it anywhere else. And I'm taking on that responsibility because somebody did it for me. Somebody showed me one time in the physical form, the human person showed me God's goodness and it changed my life. And now it's my turn. And now it's your turn. Can I challenge you? You be the answer to someone's prayer. You be the evidence of God's goodness in someone's life. When we're in a valley, when we find ourselves in struggle and hurt and pain, when we find ourselves in a situation like the Burroughs family, who is in an unimaginable situation, God reveals his goodness through life change. God reveals his goodness through people. God reveals his goodness through created things. Can I challenge you? You be a part of God's goodness. You take God's goodness to the Dominican this week and share it like nobody's business. You take God's goodness to the doctor's office this week and share it like nobody's business. Y'all take God's goodness to your house. Take your baby boy. Take baby Michael. And you share the goodness of God. You be the goodness of God to that baby boy. You and I today have the ability, have the opportunity 
to partner with God, to let Him lead us and we be the evidence of God's goodness, even in the midst of struggle, even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of heartache. God is still good, and He's still good to us. Amen? The fourth way that God shows His goodness, and I'm not talking about it today because we're going to talk about it next week, is He shows His goodness through the birth of Jesus. And it's Christmas time, and we're going to talk about that next week. And it's almost 10 after. We're talking about it next week. Amen? Let's stand together. We're going to worship. We're going to take up our offering here in just a minute. As we sing, what song are we singing? Magnified. That's right. As we sing, can I encourage you and challenge you to connect your heart and connect your mind to the goodness of God. Don't overlook how God's been good in your life and look for opportunities where you can be that representation of God's goodness in the lives of people around you. Amen? Amen. Amen.